Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Thrawn, and you're listening to Execute Chapter 66. Hello, and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight, we will be revisiting The Last Command by Timothy Zahn, the final book of the original Thrawn trilogy, and Happy Birthday, Star Wars! If you are listening to this on the day it came out, it is the 45th anniversary of the original movie. And, well anniversaries of other movies as well. Also, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, tune in tonight to Facebook or YouTube on the American Sci-Fi Classics track of DragonCon. We will be doing an exclusive special panel about the original trilogy with them tonight. So another thing to look forward to for all your Star Wars fun. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad Schonk. Over to you first, Chad. Your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this very old book. Over the course of our conversation, we may spoil anything else Star Wars that comes across our little minds. That has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, uh, what's a going on? You kids like Vanity Fair? So this week saw the release of the big Vanity Fair article. It had pictures by Leibowitz, which are very lovely pictures, although it somewhat throws me off seeing Ahsoka and Mando and then like Obi-Wan and Andor. It's just really weird to like see them in one picture, but they're very cool pictures. This is, of course, continuing a tradition of Star Wars using Vanity Fair to publicize their stuff. Mm hmm. They've done this a long time. I still have my episode, my like Star Wars Returns 1999. I have that somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, I still have that somewhere. I'll have to go dig that And they did it for the sequels too. I read it online, but I think I am going to go buy the issue. But the interview itself was a pretty long form interview with Kennedy and Filoni and Favreau and talked a lot of interesting kind of things that are coming up um, and kind of what they've learned over these past however many years it was. I guess, let's see, the buyouts in 15. So the last seven-ish years, right? They kind of confirmed the schedule of what's going on. Andor is scheduled to come out late summer now. It looks like it's going to be August. They have also released what Andor is about. And it sounds really interesting. So I guess... The basic plot of Andor or where it will start, his planet is going to be destroyed and he goes to a new homeworld and sets up a new life. And then the quote is, the planet gets radicalized by the Empire and he decides to fight back against that. They also said that Ma Mothma is going to be a main character. So that was kind of a question of whether she was just going to kind of show up or if she was going to be there a lot. Apparently it's going to follow her too, to kind of how she starts to fight back. Obviously it's still the one I'm most excited about. Mando is slated. They're saying late 2022 or 23. Um, Most people are thinking it's December that they're going to release Mando season three. Bad Batch was just said to be later this year. They won't, be specific with that. Ahsoka is going to be 2023. Acolyte is going to be 
2023 at the earliest. They said some interesting things about Acolyte, that it's being used to set up the prequel Jedi. And they did have kind of a throwaway line that you'll see lots of Jedi in white and gold. So we're going to get to see those High Republic costumes, which are going to be cool. Um, Lando, they just kind of waved off and said, it's a ways out. For the movie side, Watiti's movie, they said was a ways off. They are working on it, but it does sound like it will be the next movie. Um, Rogue Squadron. The quote is, they've pushed it off and they are rethinking it. Uh-oh. So, you know, who knows what that means. Is it because they saw Wonder Woman? <laughs> well, they brought her back after that, though. You know, after that, she was supposed to be on Cleopatra, and then she quit Cleopatra to work on uh, Rogue Squadron again. The big surprise was there is another show they are working on. Um, it's going to be helmed by John Watts, you know, who did Spider-Man, and then he just dropped off Fantastic Four. So people think it is for this. Um, it's filming or being worked on under the name Grammar Rodeo, and they are shooting for a Ambien Entertainment-style Movie. Amblin, you mean? Amblin. Okay. Ah, Ambien Entertainment's a far different thing. I used <laughs> yeah, to <do>. Amblin. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, they are already casting it, though. Is it about the boy with the broom? I, but they said it's right after Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. It's not the boy. Well, with okay. The broom. Grammar Rodeo is a Simpsons episode where uh, Bart and Milhouse go to Knoxville and buy wigs. So <laughs> it's a road trip? <laughs> I don't know. They've cast, I think there was three castings people have already found for all like kids 12 to 14. Some of the other stuff that she kind of talked about that was interesting, she just quoted Star Wars is moving past trilogies. That was a big statement she made, that that's not the future anymore. We are not going to be looking to make trilogies, and also that they are not going to recast roles anymore. Basically said there will be no Luke Skywalker show. And what I somewhat disagree with, basically said Solo was a mistake. Hard disagree. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she compared it to Indiana Jones and she kind of went into a thing about how much she loves Indiana Jones. And I thought this was funny because she kept saying, I'm like, you know, I just can't imagine Indiana Jones not being Harrison Ford and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, clearly you must not love Indiana Jones that much because we have had several Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford. <laughs> so. That was her big thing on that. Um, I will say she came off really good talking about Filoni and Favreau. She brought in Favreau, and apparently one of the big reasons she brought in Favreau was because he could make a long-term commitment to Star Wars. And then she was the one that told Favreau, and you have to work with Filoni. They said in that first meeting, like Favreau, or Filoni, excuse me, had like lists of things he had already been working on and was like, well, let me tell you about all this and just had stuff like ready to go. Reiterate again, though, that Favreau is who made Grogu. They seem to bring that up from time to time just to make sure everybody knows. <laughs> make <laughs> sure he gets was, credit. Yeah, that Favreau is Grogu. Uh, what else did she say that was interesting? Oh, the Kevin Feige movie. So in the interview, she basically comes out and says, that's a rumor. <laughs> and so all these people were like, what are you talking about? And like pulled out interviews where she has like talked about it. And have been like, yep, he's working on something, blah, blah, blah. Just because it's a rumor doesn't mean it's not true anyway. That's true. 
That is true. What else did they say? It's not a um, denial. Something that we've talked about, and it's nice to see they are talking about it in public now, the books are being used as tests. They said all the books that are coming out now are essentially kind of tests to what they can do and how the public will accept it. And we've talked about that with the High Republic, but I think we'll see kind of more of that soon. Uh, and the last thing she brought up, they did officially announce, which everybody I think knew and we're kind of hoping for, they are moving on from the Skywalkers. It is official, you know, Stars as a whole will be completely moving away from that story, which, you know, I still wanted to see the loop kind of in between land stuff, but I don't think they're going to do it, which makes me wonder what that Lando show is going to be since the book that's coming out seems to be the Lando Luke Ochi book book. story. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess they're going to do something Could she else. just mean in the filmed stuff? I mean, I'm sure the books are still going to touch Yeah, I, I think in the films. Because she's mainly in these talks about the films and the, the shows. Because, like, they haven't walked away from Luke and the shows. Well, the way she's talking, I don't know that we're going to see that much more Luke. Right. Like, she, they seem pretty dead on that that's not their focus. And I don't know. I mean, it's looking better. I hope they kind of bring him in. Maybe they'll bring him in from time to time. And then the only other last thing that I just thought was kind of, we'll see how it plays out. Hayden Christensen in an interview said the lightsaber duels that are about to happen at Obi-Wan are based on the prequels and not anything else. So I guess we're going to see super quick fighting. It also gives me hope we're going to see the behind the back Obi-Wan move again, (laughs) which is the best lightsaber move in all of Star Wars. Block in the front. Oh, oh, block in the back. (laughs) So good. Didn't Kylo Ren do that too? Or Ben, ben, uh, ben Solo does he that? He did. It's not as smooth. It's not okay. as good as everyone's. That is the best part of Phantom Menace is when he does the one-two punch right there. God, I yeah. love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's good stuff. We've got Celebration coming up next, which I'm sure we will get all sorts of interesting information. I know they're kind of dead right now, but what's going on over in the comics? little slow. Um, you'll be happy to know that Halcyon Legacy number three came out. Ooh. I know. Does it talk about their excellent housekeeping service? <laughs> no, it, this one doesn't. Um, this is by Saxon Slimy. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. It's Slimy, but with an N. The cover has Anakin and Padme on it. Uh, but we know damn well from recent reading that this isn't going to be about their honeymoon, except for my God, it kind of is <laughs> like it, it not really, but it gives them this little romantic getaway for just a couple of pages. And then they're attacked by Asajj Ventress. So, so uh, it, it's not terrible, but it's still shameless as shit. Let me just say, I read the first Halcyon issue finally. Mm-hmm. There is a straight up panel where they talk about the excellent service on Halcyon. I about put it down. <laughs> it was like, I mean, I knew it was going to be. You know, it's supposed to be a little pain for your work, but I mean, come on. A character's like, oh, the excellent food and service on the Halcyon is top notch. And it turned out not to be terrible, but it's still shameless and and uh, and doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing, which is just pimping the fa- their failing hotel. Did you see they put out a press release about how good it's going and how oh, much really? money they're making? And all these people were like, that is not at all accurate. <laughs> like, we can <laughs> clearly see that you have not filled these rooms. What are you people talking about? Every review I've read of it has been not super negative, but, you know, pretty universally, eh, this wasn't worth it. 
I got a, uh, I'm getting a promotion at work that involves a raise. And I came home, my wife was like, oh man, that's great. We're going to get a raise. I was like, I know I can save up to go to Star Wars land. <laughs> she was like, that is not what we're doing with the extra money you're making. And I was like, what? <laughs> what is the point of getting a raise? We also had Han Solo and Chewbacca number two by Guggenheim and Messina. This came out about a month late. It was supposed to come out in April. It continues this, this early adventure for Han and Chewie. It's a heist for Jabba with Greedo t- tagging along. And it really gives you an idea of why Han shot first because Greedo is an absolute moron. And then Dr. Afra number 20 by Wong and Jung. Technically a Crimson Rain tie-in, but I, I couldn't tell you why. Like reading it, I was like, I don't, this has nothing to do with Crimson Rain whatsoever. Nobody had like a button on. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, maybe, maybe I missed something. Uh, we learn more about Afra's relationship with uh, Kofan, who's kind of the rival for this story arc, and about the history of the Ascendant. Oh, and Afra dies. I'll let you see how that works out when what? you read it. But uh, that's it for comics. Gliding through the blackness of deep space, the Imperial Star Destroyer Chimera pointed its mighty arrowhead shape toward the dim star of its target system, three thousandths of a light year away, and it prepared itself for war. All systems show battle ready, Admiral, the comm officer reported from the portside crew pit. The task force is beginning to check in. Very good, Lieutenant, Grand Admiral Thrawn nodded. Inform me when all have done so. Captain Pellion? Sir? Pellion said, searching his superior's face for the stress the Grand Admiral must be feeling. The stress he himself was certainly feeling. This was not just another tactical strike against the Rebellion, after all. Not a minor shipping raid, or even a complex but straightforward hit-and-fade against some insignificant planetary base. After nearly a month of frenzied preparations, Thrawn's master campaign for the Empire's final victory was about to be launched. Meanwhile, the insane dark Jedi Joris Sabaoth is impatient to get Leia Organa Solo, her unborn twins, and Luke Skywalker as his apprentices. The reward Thrawn promised him for his help. Meanwhile, Luke is trying to find Thrawn's cloning facilities. On Berchest, Berchest, he meets Talon Card. Skywalker convinces the information broker to sell information regarding the movements of Imperial forces to the New Republic. Luke then tracks the clones to the inner rim planet Padaris. The Imperial forces on the planet tried to capture him using Isalamiri, but Luke gets off Padaris, and after a little skirmish with the Chimera, he jumps into hyperspace. When his X-Wing's power cells run out of charge, Luke decides to replace them on Honogur, the Nogri homeworld. When he reaches the planet, the Nogri guide him to a place they call the Future of the Nogri. While waiting for the power cells to be delivered, he experiences a vision of Leia and the twins being in danger. I'm in danger! At the same time on Coruscant, Mara Jade is recovering from the injury she sustained during the battle for the Katana fleet. While staying in the Imperial Palace, Winter, Princess Leia's aide, was serving as her host. In a brief conversation, Jade identifies Winter as the Targeter, a codename she used only briefly. This prompts Winter to check Jade's background, suspecting she is an Imperial agent. And during a meeting of the Provisional Council, Leia goes into labor. After ten, a 10-hour delivery with Han by her side, she gives birth to Jaina and Jason Solo. 
Leia is enjoying a few days away from politics after the birth of her twins when Winter reveals her suspicions concerning Mara Jade. The princess goes directly to Jade's quarters in the palace and just straight up asks Jade if she was a spy. Jade, being straight up as well, says, yep, I was the emperor's hand. A special agent receiving orders directly from Sheev. Jade also tells Leia that she's going to kill her brother because... It's really working out for her well so far. Frustrated, Jade tries to contact Card and finds that the network is down. When her senses warn her that she's endangered, I'm in danger! Jade finds that the Imperial Palace has been infiltrated. Using her knowledge of the secret passages in the palace, Jade helps Leia in repelling the kidnapping attempt. The leader of the strike team identifies Jade as the Imperial agent who let them into the palace, thus discrediting her in front of the New Republic leadership. Leia, however, does not believe it and visits Jade under house arrest to thank her for her help, but just before leaving mentions that Thrawn is using clones in his campaign. At the mention of this, Jade remembers a trip with the Emperor to a planet called Wayland where he had stored, among other things, his cloning technology. Jade offers to provide the coordinates to the planet, and Leia orders her not to tell anyone about what she knows. Later that night, Luke, Leia, Han, Chewbacca, Lando, and Winter meet at Leia's office to discuss and decide what to do regarding this information. They decide that Luke, Han, Lando, Chewbacca, Mara, R2-D2, and C-3PO will all go to Wayland. Talon Card sets up a meeting with the top smugglers on Trogan. At first, the smugglers want to stay neutral in the war, but then the meeting gets attacked by Imperials, and they decide the Empire needs to learn a lesson. Thus, the Smugglers Alliance is born. Next, Card is present during an attack on the Bilbringi shipyards by two of his buddies. Just before beginning the raid, though, Card counts 22 asteroids that Grand Admiral Thrawn scoops up. While discussing his plans for concerning the smugglers, Thrawn is interrupted by the enraged Master Sabaoth, who had found out his last kidnapping attempt had failed. He demands to fly to Coruscant to take his Jedi. Thrawn agrees to take him to the capital after his special cargo, meaning asteroids, are loaded on board. On Coruscant, Leia's chosen bodyguards arrive, ten Nogri disguised as Jawas. Because that is a good disguise for Nogri, I guess. The same night, Luke and Lando break Mara out of her jail. They board the Millennium Falcon and leave for Obra Sky, the last stop Mara and Sheev had made before reaching Wayland. Later that night, Thrawn's forces attack Coruscant. But prior to the attack, Sabaoth demands that he return to the planet Wayland to wait for his Jedi, even though he just demanded that he be taken to Coruscant. But like we are continuously reminded, he's insane. And he's also being set up by Thrawn because he's taken prisoner shortly after reaching Wayland. Just before withdrawing his forces, Thrawn orders the asteroids which have been equipped with cloaking devices to be launched. In addition to the 22 actual asteroids, Thrawn also stages 265 false launches. As the cloaked asteroids are undetectable to Coruscant sensors, it is impossible for the New Republic to distinguish an actual asteroid launch from a false one. 
He lets the New Republic forces disable one of the cloaking devices so they can see what's out there and then orders it destroyed and basically just puts Coruscant on lockdown because they can't do anything about these asteroids. Mara manages to pinpoint the coordinates to Wayland, and jumping out of hyperspace, she confirms that they are at the right planet. Over the next several days, Luke helps Mara to sharpen her abilities in the Force, preparing her for what's to come when they finally infiltrate Mount Tantus. The plan is to destroy the cloning facility that Thrawn is using for his military forces. From the Nogri that followed them, Mara learns of Luke's parentage and the real reason why she wants him dead to extract revenge on his murderer. At this moment, she decides that it has to be her reasons for killing Skywalker, and not because of her dead master. Card and his group target a grav trap that is actually what the Republic is after. When the plans for the operation are made, Card goes to Coruscant to get back Mara, but getting in orbit around Coruscant, he talks to Leia and wants to know where she is. During this discussion, Card mentions that he spent time in the prison cells of the Chimera, and Leia realizes that her brother's mission is in danger. I'm in danger! Knowing that the New Republic lacks the resources for two separate attacks, Leia asks Card to take her to Wayland. With Leia and her Nogri on board, the wild card sets off for Wayland. Meanwhile on Wayland, Han and the others find the cloning chamber and Mara suggests going to the throne room, where they don't know that Sabaoth is currently hanging out under house arrest, saying that the Emperor had probably built in a self-destruct mechanism, and that's where it's going to be. While Luke and Mara make their way to the throne room, Han, Lando, and Chewie start setting explosives just in case. Luke and Mara reach the throne room and face off against Sabaoth, who reveals his clone of Skywalker made from the hand he lost at the Battle of Bespin. While Luke and his clone Luke duel, Sabaoth is trying to force Mera to serve him. Han, Leia, and Card reach the throne room in the middle of the duel, and Card contacts Lando, telling him that Sabaoth is on the loose, and Calrissian decides to blow up the entire facility by overloading the power reactors. Luke leads Luke into a trap, where Mera, using Leia's lightsaber, kills the clone, thus fulfilling the Emperor's dying wish of killing Luke Skywalker. Sabaoth then tries to bring the entire complex down, but Mira uses the same lightsaber which she used to kill Luke to end Sabaoth's life. He disappears in a flash of light, just as the late Emperor did back aboard the second Death Star, and the explosion leaves a huge hole in one of the walls, conveniently enabling everyone to escape aboard the wild card. Meanwhile... Thrawn's forces and the New Republic clash in the Battle of Bilbringi. The Smuggler's Alliance ships got, get caught between the Imperial and the New Republic forces. One of Card's people contacts Wedge and decides to help the smugglers out of the shipyards, also giving the New Republic a way in. The Chimera receives a message from Mount Tantus, the Mount Tantus garrison and the attack and that there are Nogri participating in it. Before Palian can finish reading the report, Thrawn's bodyguard, Rook, slashes Palian across the throat but doesn't kill him, but more importantly, betrays and kills the Grand Admiral by impaling him with his dagger, saying it's revenge for the Nogri against the Empire. Captain Palian, aware without the Grand Admiral's tactical brilliance, 
the Imperial forces have lost the fight, orders a withdrawal, with Palin ordering all remaining Imperial forces in the Bilbringi system to retreat. The Thrawn campaign is over with a triumph of the New Republic. We end with Luke and Mara back on Coruscant, establishing an uneasy friendship. Luke gives Mara the lightsaber that he retrieved from Wayland, just because he wants her to have it, even though it was his father's lightsaber and he should probably hang on to it, but whatever. Uh, Before Luke goes back to the negotiations between the New Republic and the Smuggler's Alliance, she calls to him to wait for her. Together, they leave the Imperial Palace's roof. Their relationship to be continued. All right, so first, um, I haven't read this book since it came out, and I forgot that Thrawn died. (laughs) And I know that's a big deal to forget. The mountain is under attack, sir, he told Thrawn. Two different forces of natives plus some rebel saboteurs. He broke off, frowning in disbelief. And a group of... Nogri. He never got to read any more of the report. Abruptly, a gray-skinned hand slashed out of nowhere, catching him across the throat. He gagged, falling limply in his chair, his whole body instantly paralyzed. For the treachery of the Empire against the Nogri people... Rook's voice said quietly from beside him as he gasped for breath. We were betrayed. We have been revenged. There was a whisper of movement, and he was gone. Still gasping, struggling against the inertia of his stunned muscles, Pelion fought to get a hand up to his command board. With one final effort, he made it, trying twice before he was able to hit the emergency alert. And as the wailing of the alarm cut through the noise of a Star Destroyer at battle, he finally managed to turn his head. Thrawn was sitting upright in his chair, his face strangely calm. In the middle of his chest, a dark red stain was spreading across the spotless white of his Grand Admiral's uniform. Glittering in the center of the stain was the tip of Rook's assassin's knife. Thrawn caught his eye. And to Pelion's astonishment, the Grand Admiral smiled. But, he whispered, it was so artistically done. The smile faded, the glow in his eyes did likewise, and Thrawn, the last Grand Admiral, was gone. I know that's like a big plot point that I should not have forgotten, but I totally forgot it. And when he dies, I'm just like, the what? what? I envy you then. And you got to relive it. I had just forgotten how sudden it is. Like, it just happens. Which I think is the genius of it. Like, I, I think it's probably one of the best things that Zahn did in all these books is all his mechanicisms and all the plotting and everything Thrawn did. It just ended up being stabbed because of one of his plans. <laughs> well, all all of the Nogri, all of the other Nogri are... are- totally on board with taking down the empire, but you never get the impression that Rook has heard about it, thought about it, been in touch with anybody. So it just kind of came out of the blue to me, having not remembered any of this. Yeah, but we don't spend any time with him outside of that, right? We don't know where he's gotten his communications, who he's been talking to. We don't know where he is when he's not creepily standing in the shadows. Sneaking up on somebody. Yeah, I don't have a problem with uh, the way he dies. I do have a problem with that after he dies, there's only three pages left in the book. 
like the book itself comes to a very abrupt ending. Like it's literally, he dies, they order the retreat and then we get the scene with Luke and Mara and that's it. And it's three pages long and that's yeah. it. And you're just done. The book does end a little abruptly for me. Well, they're all, I mean, all three books are very much a to be continued. <sighs> yeah. But it almost feels like the ending of a second part of a trilogy, right? Like, and not the big finale. Well, I mean, I think him, Luke fighting his doppelganger is part of it. It feels like a finale, yeah. you know? And I mean, that's, that's pretty big. Uh, I'm also reminded reading all of these books again for the first time in many, many years that for a book called the Thrawn trilogy, there just isn't that much Thrawn. There's just not enough Thrawn for me until now. He's the bad guy. And, and it's so much about, uh, Jor Sabaoth and the clones, and I totally forgive Timothy Zahn for not understanding the clone stuff because he couldn't have at the time because even George Lucas didn't understand the clone stuff at the time. Yeah, the clone stuff is what struck me. The Empire has made thousands of clones, and unlike what we got on the Clone Wars, there's no consideration of their humanity. Yeah. They might as well just be droids. Mm-hmm. The way, the way they talk about them. We have to destroy the clones. We have to destroy the cloning facilities. There's no acknowledgement of the fact that they're human beings, that they're living beings. They're just considered, they're basically treated as monsters. Well, I think Luke is the only one who considers that, you know, what does it mean to kill this clone? Does it mean killing a part of himself or, or is he killing a living thing? But Luke is the only person in any of these books to give any consideration to yeah, maybe they're crazy and maybe they're wrong and shouldn't be, but you know, is it cool to kill them? Yeah, it just it just seems like they're just it, – it's just funny to me. They're like chattel in this um, in a way. It, it just rubs me the wrong way after all of our years coming to care about the individual clones. I think that's on, the big on difference, Wars and stuff. right? Like, yeah, we saw yeah. Wolf and Cody and Fours and all these different kind of individualized stuff. And I think that Zahn, like you said – is presenting a much more like this is a abomination. Like yeah. these clones aren't natural and shouldn't be. And, you know, it would be kind of interesting to go back if they had made those decisions in Attack of the Clones and all those other shows. And they couldn't obviously because of the show and that's so much how it was built on. But I think there's something to that. Like, you know, and there was stuff, I know not in this book, but later about clones kind of existing outside of the force almost and that that unnaturalistic part of them causes a lot of things well that's in here too right that's why he has the islamari yeah at the cloning facility right is to help Mm -hmm. speed up their cloning somehow i didn't quite understand how i don't know that zon understood it's to stop the clone madness yeah, exactly. Because I guess exactly. the force, like, if you grow somebody too fast, the force is like, nope, that's a perversion. And uh, we're not going to deal with that. Yeah. And again, to be fair to Zahn, he's going off two mm-hmm. words, Clone yeah. Wars. <laughs> that's all he's got going. E- even though this was approved by Lucasfilm, like you said, Lucas didn't really know what he was talking about yet either. But the fact that he just says that he's just going off the words Clone Wars and he's like, all right, well, there must have been a war. And one side had a lot of clones or both side had a lot of clones or, or something. There's no vision of the Clone Wars then. There's absolutely no vision of it whatsoever. That's what I always assumed for years is that the Clone Wars were clones on both sides. Like yeah. there were just all these yeah. clones running around. Oh, see, I, I just thought it would, was clones are evil and, and somebody tried to use clones to take stuff over. So clones are bad. 
And presumably that uh, that's at least partially what Zahn took away as well, because in, in all of this, clones are bad. I'd also forgotten that Luke doesn't speak. Oh, no, he's real creepy. Yeah. yeah. He's an he, abomination. It, it makes him way creepier that he doesn't speak. No, he's just this silent monster that happens to look like Luke. It, it's like uh, it's like fighting uh, when you're playing like Ocarina of Time and you're fighting Dark Link. Yeah, right. It's amazing how much discussion that Lou gets <laughs> by the fandom. Like, I mean, that's yeah. what it gets brought up all the time. And really, he is in, what, 30 pages? <laughs> like, yeah. he's he's if not I, around yeah. very much. But that's definitely something that's like stuck like around because, well, because of how ridiculous it is. But he's he's a plot point so that Mara Jade can kill Luke Skywalker. Which I still don't buy that, by the way. Is he completely controlled by Sabaoth? Like, is he 100% like when, when Sabaoth is controlling known all the Imperial life. people, <laughs> is he completely controlling that clone as well? I think he Because he is, really yeah. fully takes takes over the minds of a bunch of Imperial dudes. I think of it like, uh, what is it? Where they imprint on the, like Luke is Luke is imprinted on Kabbalah. Yeah. Like, well, he's like, like he's rich, like he's a John Hammond. Yeah, he like little Luke he's a comes out. I think like though that's part of the whole thing though, right? With with uh, Thrawn wants Saboeth because he's able to touch the minds, right, and do the Jedi yeah. battle meditation, right? That's one of the reasons he wants him is to help coordinate his forces. And touch their minds, and Saboth ends up turning that against him in a way um, by using that ability to to control the minds of others, to 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 screw with the minds of his generals, even that one general that he kind of gets into the brain of, and ends up kind of basically driving insane and killing him. So I think that's a little bit of Thrawn's. That's what Thrawn wanted, and it kind of bites him in the ass a yeah. little bit. As 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 Saboth does in general, I love the fact that Saboth is walking around with like the the dude in Captain Phillips, like I am the Emperor now. And and like and, and Thrawn just keeps rolling his eyes at him, but eventually, you know, he's like, "This is my empire. I allow you to run the military forces here. You have to run everything by me." And every time Thrawn's like, "I get it. I get it. What if?" And then and Sabo's like, "Okay, this time, but next <laughs> time, remember, I'm the emperor." And he just you Thrawn sure just are, buddy. Pushing, you sure Thrawn are. just keeps pushing back the goalposts and patting him on the head. Yeah, you're great, buddy. That's a sweet medallion you have. Like I love it. <laughs> Keep with it. Your your chest is awesome. Where do these people get the hand? Uh, the same place that Maz got Luke's lightsaber. That's what I would know. <laughs> well, when I said people, I was talking about Maz. Well, Kanata what I'll too. say, Chad, is like, that's a story for another time. <laughs> 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 they don't tell it in this. They haven't it, it, in the freaking sequels. <laughs> Maz just has Luke's lightsaber. There's no explanation as to where it came from. <laughs> she just has it. They never want to tell that story because it all it always just involves a janitor yeah. coming across a hand. <laughs> That's some, really what some it poor Ugnot had his bin of crap for the day. Like their yeah. bins of crap they have in Bespin. He's just got his bin of crap and he finds a hand and a lightsaber. Didn't they do something like that in Robot Chicken? I think they I did. don't remember. It seems, sounds like a Robot Chicken. Do you think guy. the hand like held the lightsaber the whole time? Like, did it no. like instant rigor mortis and it won't let go? Well, I'm, it makes more sense to find them together than to find them both separate. Does it? <laughs> no. No, I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> I always assumed they just fell into Bespin, mm-hmm. into the gas giant. 
Yeah, because when Luke falls down the hole, it just opens up. Yeah. So I, th- I thought I thought that it was just always lost, but they they found a way to bring it back twice now. Maybe his hand was holding the lightsaber. They've got something that gets rid of organic material, but hangs on to the metals. Look, I don't know. I'm 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 reaching here. I don't know. They never bothered to explain it in in either timeline. They have not bothered to explain it. They probably put in ice cream maker. So they transformed it. (laughs) (laughs) Wilbro Hood had that shit the whole time. (laughs) Wilbro Hood, please report to the, please report to the Ugnaughts. All right. So uh, something interesting that came out of nowhere at me here in this book, uh, among many other things was, okay. So Faye, Phalea, Phalea knows about Wayland and wants Talon card to take Leia there. So the super secret facility on Wayland that nobody knows about except Mara Jade and Jorah Sabaoth because he took it over and then Thrawn. So super secret facility nobody knows about. Thrawn knows about it. Mara Jade knows about it. Sabaoth knows about it. And the Bothans know about it. Everybody knows about everything. Everybody knows about this super secret facility that no one's supposed to know about. That's like the Bothans thing, though. That they know stuff and find they know stuff. stuff. Yeah. They're an entire race of spies and politicians, I guess. They didn't bother to tell anybody that any of this stuff existed. You didn't ask them. Well, but they don't think he yeah, has any cylinders. And so, like, yeah, without the they cylinders, don't, they don't know that. it's kind of useless. You can't make clones without them. So they probably just... Or like whatever. He he knows. <laughs> he knows there's stuff on Wayla that needs to be blowed up. Zahn is obsessed with cloaking devices. Is that his Star Trek nerddom coming through? Yeah. And he's one of the few that There's one in by. the Ascendancy trilogy too, right? Yeah. Just cloaking yeah. in the Ascendancy trilogy. Yep. In this trilogy, you cloak freighters, invisible turbo later uh, batteries on, on freighters, and then the asteroids that they cloak. Mm. It's like there's a lot of cloaking technology in this. I think I just think that's his Star Trek fandom coming mm. through. They'll probably get a transporter next. <laughs> yeah, at least he didn't give him a transporter. I mean, I really, I like the asteroid cloaking kind of threat. Like, it's a, it's a decent way to keep everybody on Coruscant and keep them looking over there. Well, they'll let them have to keep their shields yeah. up because if one of the, if one yeah. of their orbits decays, then it's going to do some real mm-hmm. damage. So they have to keep their shields up, but without their with, with their shields up, they can't really launch ships. Mm-hmm. And it lets you get some good like arguments between like the characters' viewpoints of nope, we got to wait till all of it's gone, or no, we should just try it and see what happens. I like that they let Bill Bill Iblis take over there for a mm-hmm. while too. That and their plan for destroying the asteroids was called the Stardust Plan. It was. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah, which I did not remember when I got to that. I was like, okay, that's a nice one. I really enjoyed Bell and Mon Mothma's stuff in this book. Like, I, I really yeah. like the whole Bell won't just go back until she comes to him and says, I need you, I'm reinstating you, and he won't do it for, he won't do it for anybody else. He needs her to say the certain words because he has this like honor military thing. Well, he also had gives a little speech in there, right? About how he understands why she doesn't turn mm-hmm. to him. That her job, the reason she's so cold and the reason she's so tight about everything is that lives are in her hands and that she doesn't want to make any mistakes mm-hmm. and that, that, that some of it's fear, you know, like she was a Senator who didn't like the way the government was going 
rebelled against it, but then now she's supposed to build a new government, mm. basically, and everyone's looking to her, and that's a lot of pressure, and she just doesn't want to make mm-hmm. mistakes, and he could be a mistake to let him back in, you know? I also really like that they could have made that his position, like a really stubborn, you know what I mean? Like, they could have made him, like, only doing it because he's real stubborn yeah. or because he has all this pride or whatever, and that's really not what it is. Like, he recognizes that formally this is how it has to be done and he wants to do it but he has to be asked a certain way for it all to work it's a good moment though where she goes in and she's like hey we need you and he's like 10-4 and he goes down to the command mm-hmm. center and, well and, and that whole thing makes everything out it also makes mon mothma a little more likable than she's been previously because you kind of understand where she's coming from a little bit more than yeah any time previously to this she also takes Han and Luke's treason very well. Yeah. When Han and Luke basically commit treason by breaking Mara Jade out and running away with her, she takes that in stride, which I thought was interesting. She's just like, mm, well, I hope it goes well. <laughs> Everybody else is kind of pissed off. And she's like, what am I going to do? Tell Luke and Han that they're wrong? Yeah. Like, have you seen the credits? Their way, they get, they're get, they get credited. I mean, you know, they me. probably just like say every once in a while, like they get any kind of admonishment or yelled at, and they go, "Yeah, cool." So I blew up the Death Star. Oh wait, not one, but two. So I'm gonna go do this now. <laughs> how how many Death Stars have you blown up? <laughs> oh, none, none. Okay. According to a certain right. point of view, you were on the run while we were blowing up the Death Star. Uh, uh, what do y'all think about the trees? Isn't this the one where we get the who the listening devices were? Oh yes, the 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 the. Uh, it really was right. Very. Like, that was so much work for nothing. The idea is interesting that 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 it's this organic recording device and an organic computer. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Don't be wrong. Like that's not a that's that's a kind of a cool idea, but it, it's not a it's not a satisfying payoff for this story that's been running through all three books. That there's a leak. Like you want you want someone to be culpable. You want to catch someone. You want someone to be in trouble. You want someone to pay, <laughs> as opposed to a hey, plant look, pays. This whole time, this whole time, there's been a microphone. It's almost like Mar- Mark Wahlberg's there, and he's like, "It's the plants." And like, yeah. it'd be a yeah. sweet scene like i can imagine like on the show like you see the trees and like the wind starts blowing through them and one of the guys looks up and gives the look and it's like it's the plants get away and they all go wrong and it's it the whole time it's like a, just a little mouse break <laughs> and, and it's even let down like not just because like delta sources trees but also because the resolution of it is <laughs> Let's just dig them up and then it's over. They're like, yeah. get her back yeah. and we're going to dig them up and we're good. <laughs> Delta sources trees. That's a good t-shirt. Yeah, it's uh, you're right. It, it, it does. It is a little anticlimactic. And it, like you said, it, it denies you the satisfaction of having a scapegoat. It's just like, oh, it's just been this thing that Thrawn tapped into and then he can't tap into it anymore. Okay. You know, and it the trees, stop the from- trees don't get a revenge at the well, end. And it also, and not having it, not, not having it, doesn't stop him from from predicting their plans. He still predicts their plans. Uh, and maybe question too, like, so all of your high level security conversations are happening in this lobby where the trees are. Yeah, like, come on, people. Like, I know they have a red room yeah. somewhere or a something. They all got offices. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, Mom Mothma is not being like, guys- hey, uh, meet me in the lobby. We got to talk about something. There's a really nice, and it's super secret. There's a really nice bench I like, and we're gonna go meet there. Or Mon Mothma's Mon Mothma's office, yeah. or something. Like, there's got to be other places where these conversations, and maybe there are, and that's why not all the information gets out. They're only getting out the information that happens in in the in the briefing room or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a little bit of a letdown. I had forgotten about that. I kept waiting for who Delta Source was going to be, even if it was just some nobody we'd never heard of. At least we'd have someone to shoot yeah. or something. You know, but we well, I was I was worried they were going to take it out in the mouse droids for a minute. At least they didn't kill the mouse droids. The Smugglers Alliance. That's a that was a quick one. <laughs> it was. It's also to me the least interesting part of the book. Like I just could not get into the machinations of who was backstabbing whom. Well, we don't we don't know these characters that well, so it's hard to set up who set up the Imperial attack on the meeting and then who's reporting to Thrawn and all that stuff. I got it's not that I got lost in that stuff. I just didn't. It it was uh, it it was less than interesting to me. I just Um, never. Talon is fine. And I would say Talon gets a little more interesting in books post this. Yeah. But in these, like, I just never really cared about Talon card that much. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely don't care about Farrier. Yeah. And um, Mazix, I think yeah. his name is, and, and those guys. Like, he just, I don't know. He had this whole little underworld that he created that just, I don't think ever really caught on um, or really n- never quite clicked. Do you think it would have been more interesting instead of doing smugglers if he had done the bounty hunters and kind of made the bounty hunters that piece of it. Maybe. I mean, I have a hard time believing there's enough smugglers or enough bounty hunters to make an army. <laughs> like they keep, they keep acting like there's like that smugglers are, there are enough smugglers out there to have, you know, a Navy full of them. And I guess there are, but, but in the bill bringy raid there, there are like five ships. Yeah, no, that's true. But they keep talking about the alliance, and it would be a big deal to bring the smugglers over to this side, you know. And it's like, would it be? Like, I don't know. They got a bunch of freighters. You've got Mon Calamari cruisers. You know, what do you need these guys yeah. for? Well, I think that like one thing with this book too. I thought the Katana fleet doesn't end up being that big of a deal. No, I was going to nope. say mention that too. Like it almost feels like. It, you know, if they had had another book, like if it hadn't been a trilogy or whatever it may be, but the Katana fleet doesn't tip the balance as much as it seems it should have. It doesn't yeah. pay off. It just doesn't pay off. For the amount of effort that was put into to getting it, the amount of importance that was placed on we have to have it, and then nothing. Yeah, I, I I felt that way too. That the I wrote that down too. The Katana fleet just ended up being something that happened. You know, it, I mean, I guess it lends itself more to the episodic nature of these books. That I think he was, even though they continued the story. I guess to him, like that story was over. But I, I don't I don't know why why they weren't a bigger. I mean, they were there and they were mentioned. You know, the dreadnoughts were yeah. mentioned early on, especially in the book. He's using the dreadnoughts. For sure. But there's never a moment where 200 of them show yeah. up. No, they you know? say they got beaten at the end of the second book, but not all of them. 
and not all of them were destroyed. They had some ships left. It's not oh, like they, they took were all they got a hundred and they've got a bunch. 175, yeah, 150 uh, of them. Something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's never that moment where like there's a fight and 180 ships pop out of hyperspace. And the katana yeah. fleet shows up. Yeah. There's not that like you know? yeah, that payoff for it. And no one and no one gets to go like, oh my god, it's the Dark Force. You mean the Katana Fleet? Yes, the Katana Fleet, the Dark Force that we all know about. And if like, they had no, showed up no at Bill Bringy, then the yeah, five exactly. smugglers would would not have caused a problem. Yeah, I think you know. I mean, I do like the fact that even that 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 um, Thrawn is still ahead of them though. At the end, there they're trying to fake him out with saying we're going to hit this planet when they're really going to hit Bill Bringy. And Thrawn's like, eh, they want us to think they're going to hit this planet, but they're really going to hit Bill Bringy and Paley on the whole time's going like, you're nuts. Like, I don't know why you think this. Every bit of intelligence we have is telling us they're going to hit this other planet. And and Thrawn's like, I got this. And he's right. He does. He still outthinks them. I mean, one thing that I wrote down is that like. The only thing that saves the day is Rook. Like at the like like as far as the battle goes, like is there a doubt that Thrawn's going to win that battle? No, and I think that's like, sorry, like I think that's why that part is so genius. Is that it's not the Republic that beats Thrawn; it's Thrawn. Like Thrawn. Yeah. Well, it's also yeah. Leia. Well, but I, yeah. I mean, it's Leia's work. Yeah, with the but Notre I think Day, it's like Thrawn's you know. confidence that like he set this in motion and. He, yes. you know, can control people and put things in place that he wants. And the Nogri are in in his, even though he sensed something wrong with the Nogri, he at least, I mean, it's Ruck. Ruck's not going to turn on him. Ruck's loyal and no one's turned on. I do love that moment where he's reading that sheet about the battle of Way, about what's going on in Wayland. And he gets to the last sentence, which is, and a group of Nogri. And that's the moment, you know, the Nogri have turned on them. And Ruck's like, and as soon as he starts reading the report, Ruck's like, oh, it's time. Slash, slash. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> cat's out of the bag. I got to get out of here. <laughs> it's time for stabbing. This is also when uh, Thrawn gets really cocky because he's saying, um, you know, there, there's no way they, they know they can't come face to face with me. They know they can't beat me. They know that I'll outthink them. So they're trying to point me this way, but I know that they're going to go this way. So his his one moment of cockiness that we see from him is what leads to his downfall because but every other right, time. But he's right though. He calls it. He, he nails them on it. You know, but, but I, he's, I think the real credit goes to Leia. It's Leia's open-mindedness. The fact that Leia was able to look past the no and their attempts to kill her. This is a way that she's like her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at least from what we've read recently. You know, where she had, where she, she's, uh, the diplomatic solution is always the right one for her. And when she promises them, she will come to their home world and talk to them about this. She does it. And through her actions, through her actions and through her discovering that they're feeding the plants electrolytes, that she's able to, to, to create a bond with Nogri and turn them against the empire. And that's supposed to be like the dichotomy between the empire and the Republic, right? Like the empire is a forced on you kind of thing. Whereas the Republic listens to all the people and works with you. And it still sucks, but, but they yeah. try. Yeah. I, I, I think it's much more satisfying though for Thrawn to die like that than it is 
and like a blaze of glory in some great war. Do you think he regrets killing him off? Because there's two more books after this that he writes a few years later. There's Spectre of the Past and Visions of the Future, which are all about what the rumor that Thrawn is still alive. Yeah. So I just wonder if he regretted killing him off or if he was told to. Well, I, and I wonder like how much they knew things were going to continue. Like, I mean, I'm sure at this point, Bantam Books is thinking like these books have sold a gazillion copies. The comics are already running by then. Yeah. The new, the new era of comics. Cause by the time this book comes out, it's 94 Mm -hmm. dark empire is 93. So dark horse comics is already putting out their books. Yeah. And in 94 shadows of the empire is already in full motion. Yeah. It's not out yet, but it's, it's being, you know, being discussed. Yeah. 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 And there were other books, I think, out by this, by this point. Yeah, I can't remember what would have been like, out by. Truce of Bakura, maybe? Courtship of Princess Leia. Is Courtship out that early? Yeah. Well, Dark Force Rising has come out in 92. Yeah, I mean. Oh, 93. This was 93. Yeah, I'm looking at what came out before then. Mission to Mount Yoda, that's one of the early ones. Yeah, Truce of Bakura comes out in 94. Okay, so Jedi that's Search, this. Courtship. Dark Apprentice, Champions, like, okay. oh, so you know they, what comes out also in 1994? The Crystal Star. Yeah, that was a good, that was when it really started to kick in. I guess maybe they did just wait for this trilogy to be over to really start kicking in with the rest of the books. I guess they did. Yeah, yeah. Crystal Star. Stupid Crystal Star. <laughs> we should read that. <laughs> it's the worst thing that's ever been written. It's pretty bad. It's so oh, bad. no, did you ever read the Black Fleet Crisis? I don't think I've trilogy? read Trilogy, that, that wasn't very good either. At least Luke's trip to Honegur is shorter in this one than Leia's was. Yes. Yeah. It's much shorter. Mara didn't know that Luke was Vader's son. Did she miss all the Lady Vader talk? Uh, she missed all of she missed all of this because at that moment where she's like, he's Vader's son. And I'm like, d- d- they've been yeah. pretty open about this the whole time. No, yeah. nobody's been hiding any of that. And the other note I had was that the I f- this book moves at such a break. All of these books move at a pretty breakneck pace, right? They they move pretty quickly, and then they get to they get to Wayland. They're like, man, it's a two week walk <laughs> uh-huh. to Mount Tantus, and that section where it's just them in the jungle. I was just like, just get to the mountain, please. Right, please uh, just yeah. get to the Let's mountain. Move this along. <laughs> yeah, it goes on a little too long. I get that it gets a chance for Luke and Mara to kind of get a little last bonding in. Well, I think he's trying to like parallel it to the last book, their last trek to the jungle. And yeah. How different it is. And Yeah, no, I get that. It just, it was a little tedious to, to say like, oh, we got to, it just run, 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 run. Oh, we're going to land two weeks away <laughs> and walk. And you're like, even though even though Mara said they have no TIE fighters, they have no security there. All the security is going to be inside the temple, but they'll know we're coming if we land any closer and they have to walk for two weeks through this. And like, I was like, I would take my chances. Leia doesn't do that. No. Leia just shows up and walks in. <laughs> I think he was trying to, I don't know, make a point or uh, something with the locals helping them and yeah. clearing the paths and all that stuff. But it didn't really pay off. No. <laughs> like in the end, we still just go through the air conditioner vent and we're good to go. Um, I will say for all of the times that Zahn has pulled lines directly from the movies, 
big missed opportunity in the Bill Bringy battle when Admiral Akbar goes, it appears to be a trap. That's the time you don't use the quote? (laughs) I think that's funny, though. And you know, he's not sure. He's not 100% sure. Last time he was sure. This time he's he's qualifying it a little bit, you know? It appears to be a trap. (laughs) I thought that was kind of funny. So, the final battle. Yes. How are they not crushed by rocks the entire time? <laughs> like, I kept reading it and they're like, and it couldn't move because the rocks were up to my waist. <laughs> I was like, yeah, your head should be bashed in. <laughs> your head should be bashed in. Your spine should be broken. <laughs> yeah. Like, how? what is happening here that you have somehow avoided skull injury? Well, chunks of a building are falling down. Mara Jade's face is being pelted by rocks as she's trying to get to Sabaoth. Like, but how, how do you still have a face? (laughs) (sighs) I I don't know. They're superheroes. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think like Zahn kind of had a problem too, that he can't write a lightsaber fight really for the most part. Right. Cause Jorus doesn't use a lightsaber. And so that's because that's because we didn't know Palpatine had one until right episode three. So he's he's basing him on Palpatine and Jedi mm-hmm. Masters and assuming that not all of them had lightsaber. But yeah, no, he he had to create Luke to get a lightsaber fight. Yeah, Luke. You know. Luke. But then I had forgotten Mara kills both of them. Yeah, <laughs> like Luke does spend all of his time under the rubble as Mara kills Saboth or kills Luke and then kills Saboth. With Luke's help, he helps her out a little bit. The the place, the throne room inside Mount Tantus has guardrails. It's the only place it's in the, the galaxy place in the galaxy that OSHA has approved of. It's probably because of clone madness. Yeah. <laughs> One note I did have too was that there's go. there's apparently no maternity leave in a galaxy far, far away. It's like Leia has the kids and then like three days later she's on a ship. <laughs> Well, it's just like America. Yeah. We're like Mon Mothma is like, I mean, I was kind of trying to leave you alone, but TikTok, Leia. Yes. <laughs> you need yeah. to come on back yeah. to work. You've had, you've had like four days with your kids. Yeah. Yeah. They're fine. Like, yeah, you're, you're right, Beth. It's not unlike America. So, yeah, all I wanted to bring up was that, that at the end of the day, when we get to the end of it, that Zahn very clearly now I know why he wants re rereading these books. I understand why he wants to bring Mara Jade into the new canon. She is very special to him. She may even be more special to him than Thrawn. Because this is her story. I think time has made Thrawn the star of this book. And that's the one that fandom is latched onto. But I think at the times on writing this, Mara Jade is what he thought and she was to an extent, but not as much as Thrawn. But that was supposed to be his breakout, the one he loved and wanted to push. Like, I, th- I think yeah. Thrawn for him was just the throwaway villain. A cool villain. I mean, he's Sherlock Holmes. He's in cool. Space. Yeah. yeah. Sherlock Holmes is an imp- What if Grand Moff Tarkin was Sherlock Holmes? You know, and, and, and I, th- there's also a possibility. Like I said, that's why I wonder if he regretted killing him off because. Um, he may have thought of him that way. And then the reaction to him was so strong that people wanted more. Let me ask you a question. This is rereading this. 
is Thrawn that awesome? Like, like is Thrawn that great? Like, I like rereading these, like, you know, Thrawn is so beloved and all these things, but like reading this book, I don't know. Like he's a good character and he's a good villain, like you said, but like to look at it like a show, like he would be a great season two villain of star Wars. And then we would move on. As we're talking about kind of the trilogy as a whole talking about reading it. Like, no, I, I think Thrawn, I think Zahn's become a much better writer. Mm-hmm. And I think Thrawn has become a much better character. And this stuff was exceptionally important at the time it came out. And it is still important for first in the history of star Wars. I think heir to the empire is the best book of the three. I think the second two just don't quite live up to the first one. And you're not wrong. I wasn't as impressed with him this time through as much as I am with current Thrawn. I think, you know, there's, there's a big argument and the fandom and all that stuff about whether you Thrawn is better or Disney Thrawn. I I think what people don't want to admit is EU Thrawn is a lot of nostalgia. It is, you know, when it came out, you know, that, that it was new, that all those things. And don't get me wrong. He's a great character. Yes. He's an amazing villain. And he looks cool. We'd never seen a character that looked like that, you know? Yeah. Disney Thrawn is a better character. Yeah. He may so, not be- and, and maybe not Disney Thrawn. Maybe that's not right to say it. No. New I, canon Thrawn or whatever you want to say. I think Disney Thrawn. Because I, I think on Rebels, he's great too. Yeah. I, I now understand Zahn's indignance at people asking him if, you know, the character has changed. I don't think that the character has changed. I think that it's all built up in our minds Mm -hmm. that it's a different character, that they're different people. And the Thrawn that we remember is not the Thrawn of now because it wasn't as important a character then as it is now. The, The Thrawn of this time was not a throne that could carry six, what, six new books. Here's what it is. EU Thrawn is Frasier on Cheers. Disney Thrawn <laughs> is Frasier on Frasier. Frasier. Yeah. <laughs> like, right? Like, yeah. 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 You know, Frasier on Cheers. Good character. Great character. Yeah. To the side serves his purpose. Frasier on Frasier complex great yeah right no i i i'm not i don't disagree i think that it it is you're right and it's it's, i want to make sure to like you said i want to make sure to to um to to couch that though he is still a great character in these yeah yeah, of course but zon's become a better writer Mm. he just has and and he's been given and it's 30 years later, he's gotten a chance to develop this character again, and he's done a really great job of building, you know, this other thing we can kind of talk about is this comparison between the two, not just the trilogy, but the comparison. It just, now that we've, because we talked about the comparison before while reading the new books, but yeah, now that we've gone back and read the old ones. Well, and we also talked about the comparison before reading the new trilogy, and the new trilogy put a whole new light on Thrawn as a character and and the Chiss as a people. And I don't think Thrawn had any idea of the Chiss as a people when he was writing Thrawn. He was just like, I'm just going to make a cool alien. 
but he's since gone back and given them a whole culture and and given them a much richer backstory than they again motivation. Have, yeah, they they could not have done that then. That motivation does end up coming out in the EU, I do believe, whether it's an outbound flight or whether it's yeah, an outbound back. flight starts yeah. getting into that. Yeah. And I partially think that's kind of a reaction from Zahn. Yeah. To kind of because Thrawn's the breakout character, you know, in this trilogy and he's dead. And so I think that was outbound and the other ones are a way for him to explore that a little more. Yeah. But what this trilogy does do right is it brought Star Wars back. Yeah. I mean it it, it it, it brought us a whole new, yeah, we can, we can joke about Luke with two U's and, and we can pick on the little details and stuff. And, and it's, it's so hard after all these years, not to compare it to new Canon or even compare it to other EU stuff and see how it doesn't quite match up or whatever. But at the end of the day, the series did what it was supposed to do, mm-hmm. which is it, is it, is it, it, you know, it sold books. It, brought star Wars back. It started the, the train that was going to lead us to the prequels uh, eventually. And some people would say that's a bad thing, but whatever, but it, it started, it really did start us on that track. Um, and for that, and for someone who was working in a complete vacuum other than three movies and a couple of role-playing books, I think he, he does a great job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a really tough job that he had to do with these books, you know, and despite my somewhat disappointment in the last book and some of the things just not paying off the way I wanted them to like Delta source. And, and, you know, I, I do wish our main heroes were a little more active in the finale and it wasn't all just Mara Jade. Um, uh, I still think, um, at the end of the day, I, it's still a very important trilogy and I'm really glad we reread it. I think one of the best things that makes this trilogy strong is that Zahn resisted leaning too heavy on retreading old material. Not yeah. to those, or, you know, at this point, old materials, the movies, but you know, the sequels, specifically the force awakens, you know, that's the big criticism, right? Yeah. That, they just kind of retold the same story, the same ideas. And that was probably very tempting at, especially at that point to give people something that was really familiar to get star Wars started again. And he didn't do that. And I think that's what makes it strong. He instead chose in order to make it familiar to us, he instead chose to do things like lines of dialogue, Uh making sure the characters were correct. You know, mm-hmm. that's the stuff that kind of established that he didn't, he didn't have to have a, a, a story about a kid growing up on a desert who finds out they're a Jedi mm-hmm. to make it familiar. You know, he right. just, he made it familiar by keeping the characters fairly consistent mm-hmm. and alive and, and the, the, and, and using everybody that he could, you know, using Lando and, and um, yeah, introducing new characters, but. And, and, and like we said, Mara's a, a big part of it, but I feel like he, he still did enough work to keep it recognizable without, like you said, without retreading. There are some parallels. I think there are some parallels, especially in the second book to empire. Like when mm. Luke leaves his training early, it's kind of like how Luke leaves his training early on Dagobah. In this case, it was a good call 
to leave his training with Saboeth early mm-hmm. um, because he knew the moment he met him, he was batshit, but he tried to stick it out as long as he could. But you're right. I, I, he doesn't, there, there, there must've been that temptation to just tell a story of a, and he, de- the thing is he does manage to tell the story of a new Jedi emerging with Mara just in a completely different way. Because Luke says at the end, Luke says at the end, I think you're on your way to becoming a Jedi. Mm. You know, he flat out says, you're going to be, you're going to basically be my first student. Or are you, she already is kind of. Well, but now we want new stories with new characters, but back then it was taking a huge risk to introduce any new character. So him investing so much in Mara Jade was, I think a really, I mean, I had to say brave choice because it, you know, it's still just a book. But at the time, I mean, you're you're trusting that people are going to invest in a new character. And so he, I feel like he struck a really good balance between introducing new characters, but at the, still time, at the same time, keeping the characters that people were there for, the only other characters people knew and cared about. I'm just thinking like, because we know how critical Star Wars fans are these days. In, you know, 90, you know, 1, 92, people were hungry for anything. So say it doesn't happen and the books come out today. Are they still as well received? I don't think so, but I also don't think I would be critical of them at all if they did. It's hard because... It's, it's a hard question just because without them, does everything else follow? Right. Well, everything is built on these three books. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's something we've kind of talked about a little bit. But, I mean, the EU is built on these three books. Like, it's in, I don't think there's any other – I can think of any other franchise or anything like that that has a set of core books like this that's set up everything. That's going to come uh, for the next Scientology? Storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Scientology. <laughs> Just story aside, like I think if these books come out today, ignoring all the other stuff, like I think the reaction to Luke and the clones and kind of how some things happen in the story, I think they would be torn apart. I, I have to agree just because uh, the, the toxic environment that is online well, and, if you're not starving, fandoms, but if you're not starving, it's a lot easy to be critical of your meal. Yeah, you know, uh, like it's it's a it's a when you when you you know only only rich people send back a steak, uh-huh. right? Poor people didn't. Poor people would consider sending back a steak. They would devour. They, they rip into that thing because it's because they don't get to eat steak, right? Like and and we didn't have steak back then. We had nothing, and so. Of course, it sounded delicious, but once you have all the embarrassment of riches that we have now that is Star Wars stuff, you can be more critical of it, you know, and and you're going to be more critical of it. You're going to compare it to other things and you're going to you're going to find holes because we're, we're not we're not dying because we've got so much. You know, we've got a We've got an Obi-Wan Kenobi show starting in 20 days when this comes out, starting in two days. Luke is silly, but. But at the yeah. time, I mean, what else did we have? I mean, Grogu is silly, to be I, fair. Grogu is also There's silly. There's a lot of silly stuff happening. I, I, I'll say this, as, 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 as weird as it is, when, when this book came out, like, 
revealing clone Luke was still an oh shit moment for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. still like, oh, oh shit. All right. This is what we're doing. Like, I didn't think of it as dumb. I just thought I thought of it as, as crazy. But like, it didn't come across as dumb back then. It feels a little dumb now. It feels a little silly now, but it didn't to me then because, again, I was just give me more. Give me more. Oh, clone from his hand. That's awesome. You know, it's a connection. Of course that's what happened. It's a connection to the movies. <laughs> Why right? wouldn't that's you go thing. get his hand? Right. Of course. It, it's just they were connections to the movies. And that's what I was looking for, too. Right. As I was looking for a continuation of the movies. And so that is a that is an element is a continuation of the films. Well, for me, and that's the biggest strength of these books. It's not Mara. It's not Thrawn. Zahn in these, maybe more than anything, any other book that came out, he gets the voices right. Han is right. Luke is right. Leia is right. They feel like the characters in a way that I don't think a lot of people have ever gotten. I like his Lando. Yeah. It is, as a Star Wars fan, it is impossible to overstate the importance of this trilogy. It's just impossible. And and the fact that they're going to hopefully, or at least sounds like, incorporate some of these elements into the shows, to incorporate some of these elements now back into canon, to use Thrawn in this way or in a similar way when they bring him back in live action goes to show that this is an important series for Dave Filoni too. This is an important series for the people that are behind the scenes right now, you know, that they haven't forgotten this stuff. They didn't forget Thrawn because they brought him on to rebels and, and they're bringing him live action, but they haven't, but it's not only they haven't forgotten Thrawn. They haven't forgotten this story without these books. Like does star Wars come back? Because I mean, while, you know, we're very proud of all the people that listen to the show, but Star Wars readers are not a big population. The people that read the books isn't a big population, but this was a national bestseller. This proved that Star Wars wasn't dead. And I, you've got to think that that somewhat paved the way for them to think the special editions would be okay. And, Shadows of the Empire and all that stuff. Like if this fails, do they rethink it? I think there's a chance that the special editions happen anyway, just uh, because it's the 20th anniversary, right? In 97. Uh, and so the idea of a re-release, I don't know if the special editions happen, but the idea of a re-release seems organic. Uh-huh. It could have happened either way. Um, Cause I think those were the true tests for the prequels. True. Really? I mean, I know uh-huh. he was already in the process, but like when they put out the special editions, that was proof that like people were willing to pay money to go see Star Wars in the theater because those the special editions people forget they did really well. Oh, I saw New Hope, I think, 13 times in the theater for special editions. Yeah, I, I think I saw it about five or six. I saw Empire several. I saw Jedi twice, two or three times. I think I saw Jedi at the Fox. I saw Jedi. I, Jedi I saw Fox Jedi theater. at the Fox. Uh, I, I think yeah. I saw Empire at the Fox. I can't remember, but uh, I know I saw them all. The Fox Theater, by the way, not a great place to see a movie. It's, it's not. I've seen several movies there, but it's such a nice venue. It's a great venue. Not a good place to see a movie. Yeah, they play the organ beforehand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. That's good. But So, Ryan, what are we reading next time? For the past two years, it has been the position of Execute Chapter 66. 
that Mace Windu sucks. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. It is time to find out. Are we right? Are we wrong? Is there something we've been missing? So we will be reading Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover, where we get to learn all about Mace. The first Clone Wars novel. It is the first Clone Wars mm-hmm. novel. I'm not going to lie. It's not bad. <laughs> Check out the big brain on bread. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's if, if do you like Joseph Conrad? Do you like Francis Ford Coppola? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you, Have you, you ever thought? What if Star Wars was Apocalypse Now? Let me well, get on that train. Do you know who did think that? Yeah. George Lucas. Apocalypse Now was his idea. And actually, if you have the paperback, it also has a nice little introduction by Lucas. It does. Talking about the Clone War. And and he it, it's uh, made canon in that moment. He describes it as taking place over three years. Mm-hmm. And this was supposed to be canon stories from... They're not canon anymore. Yeah, no, but, they but I. But they kind of, but it kind of feels like it still should be because they were canon Clone War stories that George Lucas was kind of overseeing a little bit. Is this like there was um this book, there was a book called Dark Rendezvous with Yoda. There was the Med Star duology or whatever two so books. Republic Commando is part of this one. I think. Republic Commando is kind of part of this, and there was this Clone Wars era books before there was the Clone Wars movie. And I will say this, I'm not that far into Shatterpoint, but it's the darkest book we've read since. Uh, I was about to say, this thing gets dark. Is it darker, like, this is oh, darker oh, than Dark goodness. Disciple? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, at mm. times. It's more violent than Dark yeah, Disciple, okay. for sure. Oh, and some of the themes get not real sexy. dark. Not it's definitely not as sexy. No sexy. No sexy. No sexy. But, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly violent and brutal look at war. Yeah. So I'm I've read it before, but I don't remember anything about it other than the con- conceit. So I'm 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 enjoying reading it again. You're a smart motherfucker, that's right. All right. Well, thank you guys and thanks everyone for joining us tonight. We will talk to you all very soon. Not a needless thing. <laughs> <For podcasts. laughs> Roger, roger.